0: It's Wednesday, August 26th, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. Three million more people watched the first night of the Democratic National Convention than the Republicans' first night. No word yet on when Donald Trump will claim they were illegal viewers bust in from Mexico. In her Republican convention speech last night, Melania Trump said that the American people should expect honesty from their president. Thankfully she didn't say husband or the whole moment would have been awkward. Scientists have discovered an asteroid that may hit Earth a day before voters go to the polls on November 3rd. Democrats were quick to subpoena the asteroid to testify about possible election tampering. After resigning from his position at Liberty University on Monday, Jerry Falwell Jr. then pulled back his resignation, only to resign again yesterday. I guess when it comes to scandals, Jerry really doesn't fall well. Michael Cohen claims to have helped the Falwells stop the release of sexually explicit photos in 2015, much like he did for the president. Unlike that time, this help won't land Cohen in jail, since seeing photos of Jerry Falwell Jr. having sex is more than punishment enough. Bette Midler is getting a lot of criticism for referring to the First Lady as an illegal alien in a tweet last night. Bette should take advice from Melania's husband who knows that it's always better to accuse someone of being here illegally by letting someone else say it first and then not denying it. Bella Thorne incredibly made a million dollars in the first 24 hours she was on the site Only Fans. What's even more incredible is that there were a million dollars worth of fans for Only Bella Thorne. Grey's Anatomy star Ellen Pompeo said that she hasn't loved going from 33 to 50 years old on television. Man, who could have guessed back in 2005 when it started that one day the greatest Anatomy on the show would be hers. It may be a long while until moviegoers in New York and California get to see the new movie, Tenant, after director Chris Nolan rejected plans to show films in, at drive-ins in states that can't also show it in theaters. This is just fine for anyone still trying to figure out what the hell was going on in his 2010 film, Inception. Speaking of tenant, Tom Cruise attended a screening of the new movie wearing a mask and socially distancing from others in the theater, proving that there's at least one thing that in level level eights can't cure with their minds. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily Cast and Crew Roundtable. Stay safe.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Aiello, and as always, I'm joined by some of my TMI Hollywood family. Let's say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or their streaming service of their choice. Oh, and before we start, I do love all of you guys on here, but I am wearing my I Rather Hang With My Dog shirt because it's National Dog Day. So, okay, let's start with you, Pete.
2: I, I just want to say I'm really sorry to my wife for calling her by the wrong name yesterday. It's really hard doing this.
1: <laughs> I forgive <laughs> you. I forgive you. There's not going to be a divorce in the future. So love no you, problem. baby. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Becca.
3: Hi. Check out my restaurant rants at Becca Wywock on Instagram. They're comedic and cool.
1: Ciao. <laughs> I'm in
3: with
4: Hi, everyone on uh, Google Podcasts. Um, I know it's National Dog Day, and I'm really, I'm really kind of sad that it's that it, people are saying more about that than the fact that it's also National Women's Equality Day. So, go Women's Equality.
1: Woo, Elizabeth. Hi, I don't, I don't have a
5: good singer today. I didn't plan one, so acting because <laughs> we're talking about theater.
1: <laughs> Shayna.
5: I, I don't like that Women's Equality Day and Dog Day are on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it at all. I just <laughs> want to put that out there, and maybe we should
4: reconsider. Well, well, women's Equality it's Day it's was us. here first.
1: JP. <laughs> hey.
6: Yo, yo, yo! Hi, everybody.
1: And Emma. Not a huge fan of both kinds of bitches being on the same day, but I do also love puppies. So, what are you gonna do?
6: Hell yeah, hey. puppies!
1: <laughs> There you go. So we have a really great show for you guys tonight, so we hope you enjoy it. As on, viewers, bridges on bridges. <laughs> As most of our viewers and listeners probably know, we aren't a news organization. Shocking, but true. TMI Hollywood is first and foremost a live theater show. One that after 227 original shows was halted on March 15th due to the coronavirus pandemic. Tonight, we wanted to talk about the future of theater for ourselves as well as theater throughout the country. And we have an amazing guest to help us break it down. He is a three-time Drama Desk nominated and Off-Broadway Alliance award-winning New York theater producer, whose Off-Broadway credits include Musical the Musical, Naked Boy Singing, The Marvelous Wonderettes, as well as the creator and star of the Backstage Bistro award-winning shows, Divas I've Done, and A Broadway Diva Chris- Christmas. Please welcome Tom D'Angora. And I think he's ready to join us. And there he is. Hi, Tom, can you hear us?
6: I can hear you, can you hear me?
1: Yeah. Yes, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on TMI Daily.
6: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> oh, Well, we're really I'm just excited just, to just, talk to you I today.
6: Botox, I thought we, I, was so, <laughs> I, to, I can talk about that.
1: So, Tom, before we get started, you know, the panel is made up of some of our actors and writers from TMI Hollywood. And as I told you on our emails back and forth, um, we are first and foremost a theater show. So I want you to start um, telling us how you got it started in theater.
6: Sure. Well, I don't know if you know, but I did. I was the lead producer of musical the musical for 10 years, one of the most successful sketch comedy musicals of all time. Yes. (laughs) Um, So you are my people. (laughs) <laughs> um, um, but I started uh, I started out performing like many of us do, right? And back in 03, um, I did a one-man show, this super gay show about how much I love D-list women celebrities. And um, we were only doing it for a couple nights for a couple of my friends. And I wrote it and produced it and my husband directed it. Um, and it became this super hit that ran for three years. And then when it was all said and done, um, we realized kind of more fun to produce and direct than to perform because you get to be drunk while it's all going on (laughs) so um so i so i started producing and uh we did a a christmas show called the broadway diva christmas in 2005 where at the time um we were the youngest lead producers on a major commercial production in new york city not anymore (laughs)
4: um
6: and then shortly after musical happened and once musical was a runaway hit you know once you have a hit it's easy to do more and more and more it's chasing the hit that's hard
0: mm-hmm. okay,
6: you know okay. so it's uh, you know it's been it's been uh 15 years of it um i had shows running when the shutdown started uh we were doing uh we were co-producers on carolina change the Broadway revival and that was supposed to start previews the day of the shutdown i had a musical about star wars running and naked boy singing when it all happened um which will all come back it'll all come back Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's my theater career. It's been, it's long, but kind of boring because I, ha- I produce so many long running shows.
1: So do you prefer to produce or act? Because I know you've acted as well. What do you, what do you prefer?
6: Oh, definitely produce. And I was, why, why terrible, is that? I was a terrible actor. <laughs> um, I was really good at being Tom D'Angora, mm-hmm. unless the role called for a Tom D'Angora type. And then I had a unique talent to take it in a really bad direction. Um, so <laughs> i yeah, i I wasn't good um I was really good like I was good at stand up, I was good at like gigging and being in like benefits and stuff um but producing was cool because if you have other those are my puppies um if you have like a giant personality and you have ideas and you know you get to put it all over the show, so instead of just my role glittering, everything gets to glitter <laughs> when I produce it. Okay, you, you so know. I want
1: to actually open it up to the panel, because I have a lot of questions for you, but I don't want to take over. So um, anybody want to start? <laughs> Pete, I think we were talking, you and I were talking about musical. Do you want to start with that?
2: Oh, no, I, I, I just, I, I wanted to say, Tom, I, I mean, I, I'm so happy you, you, you mentioned the musical at the top, and obviously, the good reason for it. Um, you know, because when when I you know I'd known about I'm from New York I came out of here ten years ago um, and and um, I I knew about musical musical sorry but I um, I never got a chance to see it because. It kind of started a little bit before, I, right before I left, and never got a chance to, to get back to see it. Um, but it, it's it's such a kindred spirit to what we, we do yeah. um, because of the fact that you know, for anybody who doesn't know what musical is, you know, maybe you'd be better off explaining it than me. But um, but uh, you, you guys take take topical stories and you build musical sketches around it, right? I mean, that's that's essentially what exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's
6: it's just all musical.
2: So I mean, for, you know, because we, you know, we've had eight years of doing this ourselves. So I'm just wondering, from the standpoint of uh, you as a producer, uh, how how does how is the challenge of constantly trying to update things to be as current as possible? Um, how does that work with you? I mean, how how do you feel about having to do that on a regular basis with a show like that?
6: Well, as you know, it's exhausting. Uh- <laughs> It's uh, especially, you know, in a live show, it's 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 being in perpetual previews for a decade. You're never out of previews, you're always teching, you're always adding new things. For uh, the first few years we did it, we made it really hard on ourselves. And we, when we would update the show, we would completely update it. And we would do these giant new additions like every eight months. It, and what happens there is, as I'm sure you know, is you lose parts of the show that are evergreen, that are your guaranteed laughs, that you can set your watch by, and you put it in different parts of the running order, so no matter what happens, you can count on those huge laughs, um, and you lose them when you're constantly rewriting. So what we ended up doing um, after like the, maybe the four-year mark is we started really uh, working on numbers that could stay forever and that we could mm-hmm. build around. Like We had a number about global warming where Mother Nature came out and was pissed and sang a song scolding her children that killed and it stayed in the show for all time and you can change lyrics you know to update it um we had a a a marijuana number um that stayed in forever uh a gun number sadly that never got to leave because we never handled that issue where madison came out to explain the constitution to the audience since he wrote it you know and but the good thing was, you know, the punchline of it. The chorus started; it was this very proper song, and from the fa- founding father. And the chorus started. You know, we were talking about effing muskets, and you get your big laugh. Um, I don't know if I can swear, so I said effing.
2: Oh, <laughs> you can. You can I definitely sure as much as you want. Like. <laughs> so Emma will be cursing quite a lot soon. So don't worry. <laughs> so, um, and then, so, and that's what we kind
6: of did. And then, as the, um, as you know, any New York show starts to lag, I thought, well, everyone compares us to SNL. Why don't I find celebrities uh, to start guesting in the show? And it was really appealing to celebrities because, unlike you know, say going into like something great like Chicago or something, where you're the 19th Mama Morton, um, we got to build it around the celebrity, which was really appealing to them. And the first one we had was Perez Hilton in 2012. It was huge, huge. It blew our mind what it did to the show. It. and, and the show never went back down. Um, we probably ate out on the Perez Hilton one month run for three years. Wow. And, and, um, and so, it went, but you know, and from people like we had, uh, when the Annie revival opened, the original Broadway's original Annie, Andrew McArdle was our guest. We had Sherry O'Terry, because why wouldn't you have Sherry O'Terry? She's a genius. Um, we had Latoya Jackson. We were uh, an episode of her reality show. It was, amaz- we had Jack Hay, it was, it was wild times. And then that, we got so much press off of that it kind of took over for our marketing budget and you were able to kind of sustain yourself off of all the free press you got. So, I mean, that, you know, and then once once you've run a long time, they know about you. So it was was really hard work and it was hard every second of it. And it was, you know, it was kind of thing, unless you love it, unless you really love this kind of, and as I'm sure you do, because you've been doing this for eight years, don't do it. It's so hard. There was never a minute that wasn't the hardest job ever, but it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. I've never loved anything the way I love musical. I love it. Um, We're actually talking about doing it. People are reaching out to us about doing it around the country because it's kind of would be an easier show to do in a safe way in large, large venues. So Mm -hmm. we're looking at playing 3,000 seat venues but they only sell 300 tickets,
2: Mm -hmm. you know,
6: and then we can write it so the cast can be far enough away from each other.
4: Oh, wow. um, that's amazing. And
6: we but we can talk about COVID because we're a topical yeah. show. We we get to exist in our reality.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, yeah. So I mean, it's I, I could talk about musical forever. You could have me on for 24 hours, and I could tell you stories. That's,
2: that's great.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and you could because again, this is what TMI Hollywood is about. So it's just it's so amazing to have you on. here talking about this. Um, as much as I hate to, you know, talk about COVID and the pandemic, I just I do want to ask you a question um, about it. I'm ready. How, there you go. A vote, yes.
6: <laughs> right. How
1: has the pandemic um, affected people that you know um, personally in the theater community? And right. do you, have you heard of anything in regards to reopening of the theaters on Broadway or off-Broadway? Uh,
6: right now, it stands at 2021. Okay. Um, so I'm sure we'll hear more. Um, there's only been a couple of, you know, absolute closings, frozen closed, um, you know, so i think we're all just kind of waiting and seeing what happens like um for instance like my show a musical about star wars which quite literally is a musical about star wars um all we it's on the stage right now it's it was we were you know two hours away from a performance it's set to go we just have to turn a key probably dust off a little mouse poop but (laughs) um you know so we're just waiting um but it's been really difficult because uh it, it depends on what you do in the entertainment industry especially theater um you know a lot of us a lot of giggers are really hurting because if you know you, you made money gigging and you that's how you make your living you got nothing to show the state so everyone stuck with 182 dollars a week uh for unemployment and they were struggling it's new york city you add 600 on that people are making 782 a week and listening to people all over social media saying, don't pay them or they won't go back to work. And we're like, do you know how fun our job is? We do it for free. We want to go back to work. Like we don't, it's New York, $700 is gonna buy a cookie. You know, so it's been- Not a very good one. <laughs> right, right, not even at a good bakery. Um. It, like a street, a street cart cookie. Uh, so, I mean, it's obviously, you know, I can, I'm very blessed. Um, everyone I know is very, very healthy. No one that I'm really close with has been ill um, or been seriously ill. So as much as it was devastated for us to not, you know, be Tony nominees this year with Caroline and um, not to have our usual summer of doing shows with our closest friends and going out drinking outside and having your New York summer. Besides that, and of course, the economical devastation of it, I feel we're very blessed um, because it's not really uh, affected anyone we know seriously health wise, but it's, it's awful. It's, it's just an awful thing for the city.
5: Um,
1: Does anybody want to jump in? Um, Emma, go ahead. Hey, I'm the one who curses. I'm also from New York. Um, (laughs) I was curious, like, especially from a producing standpoint, like as actors, we always have so many dream roles. Is there like, not necessarily a show that exists or maybe want a show that exists, but like some dream project to produce if money's no object and marketing is no object.
6: Oh my God. So many. Wow. Um, sure. Uh, I would love if I, if money was no object, I would love to find more like things like musical and bring that back. I, I, I hate that. I just missed, you know, the four person review that, it seems like what I was born to do didn't exist when I moved here. The two things I loved most were kind of vaudeville type performing and soap operas. Both the genres died before I was a working professional. Meanwhile, I also have a series in development starring Morgan Fairchild. That's like a gay dynasty. So I still don't give up on the genres I love, but um, we were doing our dream project. You know, we, uh, Carolina change was one of my favorite shows of all time. The original production uh, we saw, you know, over a dozen times in New York. And then the one-man show I talked about at the top of this, um, it got picked up and brought to, to L.A. for a run. And the only thing I put in my rider was I, they needed to book the run around the Carolina Change uh, L.A. production so I could uh, see it 10 more times. So um, that was always our dream project. And I had actually reached out to Janine Tesori's people about producing the revival, and they said, too late, it's opening in London next month. You know, and so we were very blessed to be invited on the Broadway production. And um, that was honestly our dream show. And we waited a very long time for our Broadway debut because we wanted it to be that special one, which was ridiculous. But um, also we really wanted to do Soap Dish, but I think someone owns that. But if I could, if I had enough money to take the rights from someone and do Soap Dish, I would.
4: Um, any a, people,
6: of course, as a musical.
1: Joe?
4: Speaking of, I want to pitch you what I think is going to be the musical that you have to do. Okay. I'm all laughing because I already brought this up to them, but this has got to be it, and it's going to kill in New York. It's going to kill it in L.A. Nashville, not so much. Um, Hillary the
6: Musical, all
4: about oh, the 2016
6: it. election. Oh, my God. Well, there was a Hillary the Musical in 2015.
4: Uh-oh. That but of was 2015. Of- <laughs>
6: Um, I didn't go. They they were really lovely. The publicists kept trying to get me there, but it wasn't super. It was kind of mean to Bill, so you know, no selfie for them with me. You don't get. No, to take I'm talking about every-
4: a whole musical about that 2016 election. Oh my good God, bad You've got a you got you got good. You got versus evil. You've yeah. got all these great potentials for songs. I mean, and then you got this kind of Empire Strikes Back ending. I you mean, did. come on! You it's did. perfect. You got to be going for it. I mean, I, yeah, I the think songs that, alone. I mean, you got to get a really good. I mean, you got to get a. You got to get a really good bad guy like that. That casting is. You the baddest but guy. I think that
6: uh, uh, it would be great. Well, I think you know, once the dust settles of all this, we'll be able to go back and visit it. One thing we learned with musical was it was hard for people to look at Trump when it's not Alec Baldwin and SNL um, right after the 2016 election. I was in a coma, of course, but I was able to come out of it long enough to say, you know, what do we do? Because we only had, we had a number ready to go called Madam President, where it was, you know, Hillary's turn, basically. We, we, I refused to even att- even have a safety number for Trump. And so I remember my husband just saying, like, Tom, you can just tell us what do we do with musical." And I kind of came out of my coma and said, uh, just ha- do a D- George W. Bush number. Do a How Do You Like <laughs> Me Now? They'll- everyone laughs at W. It's fine. Just... So it killed. It stayed in the show to the end. Um, but I think uh, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff.
4: There, we, there was a whole bunch of us over at Peter's house. And we were a bunch of writers. And we are like, what are we going to do now? Well, <laughs> now like, actually, you actually can't you're... write anything that's funnier than this. <laughs> I know, I
6: know. But when, <laughs> I, I'm happy to go back to the n- not destructive, like not oh, sure, comedy yeah. about something that's going to end the world.
1: Yeah, we're going to switch gears in a few minutes, <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to hold off to, to some of the questions that I have. Pete, did you have a question? And then I'll go to Shane. Oh,
2: yeah, no, I, I actually wanted to ask, since you've since you predominantly worked in off-Broadway and now you've had a taste, even though it hadn't actually gotten to gotten the opening night, of, of um, doing something on Broadway, other than the obvious, the, the, the costs, the, the size of the production, what, what are the kind of differences between the two, the two different types of theaters uh, when you're working in that medium? Well, I think it depends on
6: what you're looking for in your career. I like to be hands on, I love the team. I love walking through a stage door. I love being a part of every problem from changing the light bulb to what we're, you know, this number's not working. You know, let's figure it out. With a Broadway show, it's a it's a ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars show, and it's this giant team. And it's it's not this; it's just not the same hands-on. Um, I love Off Broadway. I I lovingly say it's the skin tag on the armpit of the entertainment industry, <laughs> but it's where I, it's where I'm most comfortable. It's home to me. Um, I think the most talented people—they may not be the most famous, but the most talented people in the world—is where you'll find there. Um, and you really get the intimacy of the audience. You just can't get away with anything in an off-Broadway show. You just can't get away with it. Um, and yeah, I just, there's something about the intimacy and this, the way to really be a part of something that's just always appealed to me in such a giant way. Um, we've probably passed on about 15 Broadway shows over the years Mm -hmm. and said, you know, um, I didn't put money in Jersey boys to do a Christmas show that I lost money on. I don't even know if I regret it. But, yeah. but I mean, there'd be Jersey Boy checks in my mailbox right now. <laughs> but I think I'm still getting bills from the off Broadway show 15 years ago. <laughs> but it's magic, you know. And of course, Broadway's magic in a different way. But it's like, it's almost like a, a like I don't know, like a, a do-it-yourself magic off Broadway. You can really go home proud and. You know, uh, an off-Broadway tech, you'll never sleep that way in your life, and it's the best sleep because you're never so tired, but you just worked such a good day, you know? Mm -hmm. And the people doing it, we make nothing. You gotta love it. You really do. You have to be a real lover of it.
1: Mm -hmm.
5: Shayna, and then I'll go to you, Becca. Go ahead, Shayna. Hi, Uh, Tom, hi. I was just wondering, since I know you just gave all this like kudos and love to Broadway and Off-Broadway just out of curiosity, since Hollywood has finally jumped on the bandwagon in terms of television and musicals. Have you ever considered television? I mean, we all know the movie musical has been a thing, but TV would seem to translate well for some of the stuff that you're doing. Would you ever consider that?
6: You know, I tried to, it was ahead of its time. I tried to do to pitch musical as a, a weekly. TV show, you know, I, you know, kind of a Mad TV meets Glee is how I was pitching it back then, or SNL yes. meets Glee um, we <laughs> to do that. I, um, it would have been, it was just, it was a minute ahead of its time. Um, but we're we're developing a um a series right now that uh, we were going to film earlier in the year. It's ridiculous. It's called Melange. It's literally Gay Dynasty, starring Morgan Fairchild, a <clears throat> bunch of Broadway actors, a bunch of gay celebrities, and soap stars. Um, And there's music in it. There's a few songs in it. Uh, The pilot's actually, Logo TV dropped the pilot in May on all of its digital platforms. Um, But all that's available right now is the pilot. We're working on filming more episodes this autumn. Um, But Maya Days, who uh, was Aida on Broadway, who has literally, she doesn't sing in the pilot, but has, if you picture if Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston had a baby, that's what she sings like. Um and she plays this nasty bitch named Carol who is an ode to the great Diane Carroll. Um, and she thank God
5: because she's the legend of on Dynasty. I mean, really, I oh love my,
6: Dynasty. Are you kidding? I know definite. who
5: Diane Carroll is.
6: Oh my God! I mean, unbelievable. But She
5: slapped Joan Collins and knocked her into that fountain, honey. I saw that. That's I watched awesome. that in my little PJs as a small child.
6: How we all learned about burnt champagne and that's right. Her- from Diane Carroll. That's and right. And nobody has ever spelled Diane as elegantly as Diane Carroll. Because you could have right. Diane. Why? Because she can. That's
5: Two right. first names, honey, because she didn't need a last.
6: She did <laughs> nope. 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 We talked about a trailblazer. Um, and uh, we had the original Rapunzel from Into the Woods in uh, the pilot. Alex Newell from Once on this Island uh, was in it. Diana DeGarmo, the amazing Diana DeGarmo uh, from American Idol, but who's done a thousand Broadway shows and was in one of my off-Broadway shows, The Marvelous Wonderettes. Um, and Perez Hilton was in it, who was in musical. Um, and so, you know, doing that is, was so much fun. Um, I loved being on set. I loved watching. I actually wrote that too. So it was really wild watching that come together. And so many people I was obsessed with as a child were starring in it. I mean, you know, you're a gay boy and you're sitting there being like, "Oh, I'm writing a bitchy role." And in your head, you're hearing Morgan Fairchild say it, because I don't know about you, but anytime I'm a bitch, I hear it in Morgan Fairchild's voice. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden you get a call, oh, Morgan loved the script. She wants to do it. What? 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 Why? <laughs> okay. You know, um, so I actually do love it. And I, would, I really want to do a lot more of it. Um, I, I was a producer on a really cool project two years ago, which was a musical version of Emma. And it was this really interesting concept to film, where we staged it like a live stage show, but we filmed it like a movie. So it wasn't shot like a live stage performance. We were on the stage. We were doing three camera. You know, we were doing the close-ups, and so we kind of filmed it almost like a TV film thing with no audience. But it was on a stage with a theatrical staging. It was a, like a really cool hybrid thing, and it came out actually really great. Um, and I thought of it when I heard Emma's lovely name. And there's a beautiful song called Emma that you'll wanna hear. The great Tony-nominated Paul Gordon wrote it. So Does, I was Does your I Emma curse a lot? What?
2: Does your uh, Emma curse as much as arts?
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it comes with having the name. Sorry. They're kind of a necessity. <laughs> right. Rebecca, you also had a question?
3: Yes. Hi. Um, so my question is to do with st- the, you mentioned Star Wars or a musical about oh, Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so my question is about how that went through development, because I mean, I don't know if it ever came to America, but in London we had Lord of the Rings, the musical. Yeah, And that was done really seriously. It was like a, it like it was a really serious piece. All the songs were in Elvish and there were wow. hobbits that ran through the audience. And it was, it was done very like, like a literal stage version of the movie. So my question is, taking something as huge as Star Wars, how did yeah. you develop that and turn it into something that can well, be done through
6: the stage? I hope you're ready for a story, because there's a story. Oh, uh, I am. Look at you, I'm sure you've already figured out I'm not super capable of doing things seriously. Um, so basically- uh, one, of, one of our long-term amazing cast members of musical, uh, Scott Foster, was a huge Star Wars nerd who I made fun of every day because that's what we do backstage. Um, but it was great for presents because it was so easy—just get him lightsaber chopsticks, and he cries. It's awesome when someone the- <laughs> but uh, he wanted he wanted to he came up with this idea for a, a sketch for musical about the Star Wars conventions that they have like in hotels, like at the Ramada Inn, where people like kind of dress up and just you know light, lightsaber fight. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know. And so we have a rule, in musical, okay, the audience will decide. You want to try it, you get it twice, but you can't cry when I cut it. Um, and we put it in, and oh my God, it killed. I mean, brought the house down it, oh, every night, over and over. And I said, oh God, people like to laugh at Star Wars. Well, okay. Well, and so we started talking backstage um, about, well, what would a show be like? And so we came up with this idea And it literally is a musical about Star Wars. It's not Star Wars the musical. Um, It is literally, uh, it's about two super fans who want to bring the greatest Star Wars musical ever to Comic-Con and a feminist, uh, which is actually based on me. um, (laughs) She, in disguise as the the actress in the show, because they actually, they found an actual girl to be in it, um, is there to bring it down to its knees and they, and they find out that she's there for nefarious reasons and they make a deal. That if she just stays the evening and they can convince her that Star Wars is the greatest thing to ever happen in the history of the galaxy, much, much better than Star Trek, then she has to stay with them. Um, so it's, 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 we do every, we cover every drop of the Star Wars canon in 75 minutes. Um, we wrote it, um, from conceiving it to first preview was 11 months. We were in front of an off-Broadway paid audience in 11 months, the boys, two of the boys from musical would come over uh, to my apartment after the musical and we would have honest Star Wars conversations. And then there was me, the wet blanket, feminist, being like, well, why besides the great Carrie Fisher are there only one minute and 42 seconds of dialogues uttered by a female in the entire trilogy? Why is only Lando black? Where are the gays? What, you know, Like, <laughs> and we would have, and it, we realized like that was funny. And that's where the concept came from was us arguing over Star Wars. And so basically we, we kind of experimented on it where I went through the whole canon again. Of course, I loved it when I was a kid. I was, I'm 41 years old. But then as I grew up, I was like, whoa, this isn't cool to like, you know, everything I believe in. Like, where's the inclusion? So I was on my way to Vegas for Perez Hilton's 40th birthday and I was watching um, the new movies on the plane. And I was on a red eye and this giant man um, it was really sweet. I didn't think he was on the spectrum, so he kept falling asleep on me, which I was totally cool with. What a cool, you know? Um, was, I'm su- like I'm so spectrum friendly. Um, and I'm sitting there, wa- I'm sitting there watching these Star Wars films, and I wake this guy up, and I'm like, oh my god, I get it. Star Wars is like America. It's a work in progress. She is not the princess. She's the general. She's Hillary Clinton. She literally had to. Take all the shit so she could rise to the top of their brilliance. I get it, and that literally happens in the show. We have a song called "We Got Leia," where the character realizes that Leia is the through line, and that and, and we know she was the, she was going to be the, the Skywalker who rose. you know that cat's out of the bag. so um, it's, so Star Wars wins in the end. They just took a minute to get there, just like society. She, Amazing. um i love this show i hope i um i'll send you cds if you want or i think it's on oh, spotify actually. It.
4: please, yeah, Absolutely. please. It. yeah
6: it's real stupid if you like stupid comedy it's real stupid
4: <laughs> yeah i definitely i definitely have to see this definitely yeah. real fast did you run into any like rights issues no
6: there's actually a song in it where we explain the copyright law <laughs> out the law book. And- <laughs> <laughs> my, I love a good story. exposition, yeah. like hidden exposition
5: situation. Yeah. That's great. I paid <laughs> someone
6: three thousand dollars to tell me they could teach a constitutional law class based on the script, because what? It, because it's it's the it's the perfect example, um, because we're questioning it. Because it's a it, we're 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 using satire to politically question Star Wars.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm.
6: know, like.
1: Mm-hmm. So I have one final question in regards to theater before we switch gears here. Um, From your opinion, Tom, what's one of the best musicals you have ever seen?
6: Uh, Hairspray and Gypsy. Uh, Hairspray and Gypsy. I think, um, and I think Hairspray is the modern Gypsy. Uh, It's the perfect marriage of score, book, choreography. It achieves it all. Doesn't mean it's my favorite. I think they're the best. The best. Um, And we, me and my husband saw Hairspray, we were babies, but I spent $100 for that. We went for his birthday the night after uh, opening night. It was such a big thing to spend $100 on a ticket back then. And it was magic. I mean, and then it was just an all I could, I always wanted to know, imagine what it was like to be in the room, by the way, I'm gay, you know, <laughs> when Merman was gypsy for the, fir- for the first week. You know, what, what would that energy have been like? Because you, you know, it, it really, all I could imagine that energy there that's what it must have been like um and it was so incredible and um that I, yeah i think hands down those are the best my favorite's actually jane Eyre the musical cuz i'm that ridiculous and gay and i love soap and romance and Carolina or change is, is
3: the fine. english accent
6: <laughs> i love british oh my god i love it it <laughs> just gets me
1: okay so any final questions in regards to theater for tom from any of you one oh, final one.
4: question go ahead last one mm-hmm. um um, I'm from the New York area, too. There's a whole bunch of us. I don't know if you know, but I actually grew up in New Jersey. But I got um something I think that's interesting, because when you grow up as a kid, uh, in, in the tri state area, Broadway is just a natural part of your entire life. You see the advertisements on TV, like even if you're not a musical or Broadway play fan, you know about them, you know about the songs and things like that, just because it's part part of the life. Now and forever Out, at the Winter Garden Theater, Joe. Exactly, exactly. Like I, I and Butterfly. Remember those? All these commercials I remember from from the day, and you and you learn the songs a lot from that. But outside of that New York area, you don't get that as much. And um, how do you think, like? How can we spread that beyond? Because I think a lot of, I mean, I see it now with like, they just put Hamilton on Disney Plus, right. which is great. But like, how do you spread that outside of that tri-state area? Because I think it really did make me feel like I, I'm more cultured because of having Broadway there, you know? And I don't think there's a lot of other places in, in America that are quite like that.
6: That's yeah. Really um, I, honestly, I think the number one thing is to have actual union tours again with the stars, Bernadette Peters is a superstar because she toured the shows and America got to see her on stage and then America wanted to see her on television which made her a bigger Broadway star. So she became the biggest Broadway draw. Um, That Carol Channing is a forever legend because not only was she Dolly on Broadway, she went around the country for 42,000 years doing it. And I think, you know, obviously commercials, the day of the, the, traditional commercial is over, but you see what's happening with TikTok. You see how something like Beetlejuice was on its way to a closing notice. And then it, it had this wild young following who did all these, they did all this amazing stuff on TikTok and the, the young kids found it and they responded to the material because they were seeing it. And that's all they need to do is see material that resonates with them, get to spend 10 seconds with it and boom. And you, Beetlejuice became a mega hit until it was forced out of its tutor terrible yeah. but um,
5: <laughs> I, it's because I'm, see, I'm seeing music man now in june in november and i felt so guilty
6: knowing that they got forced well, out we, for music we, Man. Well, you know the way you can fix that is just hope that we win the tony over them for carolina sure. Championship.
4: <laughs> I'm <ready> for you.
6: <laughs> but yeah i think i'm um, touring and i think uh keep the social media and obviously it being more mainstream than ever really helped. But you're right, there was nothing for me when I, if my dad wasn't gay, I would have had no clue. He luckily, like a good gay father, brought me to a chorus line when I was eight, which is great when you're like, Daddy, what's gonorrhea? (laughs) You'll know soon enough, little gay.
1: Okay, so let's switch gears now, too. And I want to talk Hillary Clinton. Oh, my
6: God. We can't go from gonorrhea to Hillary Roddy. <laughs> 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 uh, it. no, it's on, it's
4: you. funny, because we is, were we were in front of Peter and his this
1: lack of So TMI in
3: a clip it, gonorrhea to Clinton.
6: Before <laughs> we <When laughs> oh start talking
1: about, about Hillary, um, Tom, I have to tell you, I, I can only speak for my husband, Peter, and myself, but we were Hillary supporters all the way. We had um, an election party at our house, and Joe happened to be there. right It was, uh, that
2: was uh, quite the <laughs> night.
1: That, uh, I mean, our party? dog had the Hillary. It, I mean, it was those
2: stupid fucking balloons we bought. We should have never bought the
1: balloons. We had. We literally.
4: <laughs> That's a ruined one. it. There was we plenty of leftovers time. though, because we all lost our appetite. So uh, I, yeah. I ate for three days on
1: leftovers at least. <laughs> I mean but all kidding aside it really it was a it was a terrible night i mean I, we oh. had friends walking out of our house in tears literally yeah, on the david
6: stage uh oh. Oh. yeah
1: oh. so i want to talk first how did you come to know her and what can you tell us about her that we probably don't know from what we see in the spotlight
6: um well you probably know now but she's hilarious mm-hmm. you probably realized that since 2016. um Oh, well, okay, so um, I might not know it now, but I knew Hillary's rider. I knew her dressing room rider by heart Mm because I was also, I was on the grassroots team and the LGBT outreach team, but I was also, I was on the advanced team. They would fly me out for giant events, like if there was a 10,000 crowd or more because I was the clown that would jump up on stage and make everyone scream and uh, do that. But um, you'd have to, while you're setting up the event, you get everything ready and you get the things that are in her little green room ready. Um, And so for a long time, I knew Hillary Clinton's writer by heart. Okay, let me think. It's uh, honey, honey lemon halls, not sugar-free, cannot be sugar-free. Six Gatorades, any flavor, six diet Dr. Pepper, six diet ginger ales, uh, a little water kettle, uh, Starbucks instant coffee, tea, lemon. Well, because there's so many people back there and you have to make sure the people who are speaking for you and stuff can eat. Hillary wasn't drinking every, all that, but. So she had to uh, pee a lot,
2: didn't she? Yeah, right.
6: <laughs> assorted, uh, five assorted kind bars, um, dark chocolate covered almonds, and then the glasses, cause you can't bring labels on stage. Uh, it had to be stemless glasses and, and then a, a six pack of water too. Um, so that was Hillary Clinton's 2016 rider. I'm sure you didn't know that. That sounds <laughs> very reasonable. Oh so, oh, that's what, yeah, and then and then I've had so many people, friends of mine, when Hillary goes to speak at an event where they they'll get in touch with me and say, "So we asked Hillary what she wants, and she said, "I don't need anything." And they said, that's ridiculous. We need to give Hillary Rodham Clinton something and And oh, my friend Tom's obsessed with her. I'll call him. And I'm, oh, you're in luck, I know her writer, so here's what you, you know <laughs> <laughs> So no, she would never never in a million years would she ask for anything. And that's what people that she's so gracious. Um, so gracious, you know, and it's, it's so wild. Like when we opened during the campaign, I also, cause I'm crazy, opened the marvelous wonderettes off Broadway. Cause I wanted to prove I could work 80 hours a week on a campaign and produce and direct, um, an off Broadway musical. Um, uh, but like, uh, a congratulations letter was delivered to me at half hour. How cool that she, that it was known to be put in my hand at half hour. And you know, the kindest letter thing like, you know, I join your blah 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 thanking you and wishing you well. But I have to ask with everything you do for me, where do you find this time? And I'll tell you what I also find lovely. Um, there's never been any uh correspondence with Hillary, any kind of a letter, whether it was, you know, the thank you letter that thousands of people got for being a delegate at the DNC or one that doesn't end with wishing my husband her best. Always. Mm-hmm. Michael's always, always, always. Um, but I got to know her because she was my senator. Um, I was a huge Bill Clinton supporter. I was, you know, I was 13 years old when he was elected and Bill Clinton was my president. Um, then I read when I was that year that how uh, she was forced to take his last name and she, you know, she wasn't allowed to be Hillary Rodham. So even at 14, I decided there were like two years I wouldn't refer to her by Clinton because it wasn't fair. Um, so it really started young. And then I moved to New York the day after she was elected to the Senate, which is what my mother said was the only thing that made her feel safe after 9-11 was that Hillary was senator. <laughs> um, and I just really followed what she did. And if you, if you were a New Yorker while well, she was a senator and you really followed the political scene, what was wild about her, which is unheard of for United States senator, you hear about it more with state senators, but uh, if you had an issue as a New Yorker and you left a message on that machine, if Hillary Clinton didn't get that message, someone was in trouble. She wanted to know every single thing that was happening in every New Yorker's life, Republican or Democrat. I met many Republicans over the years that were Republicans, but Hillary supporters because they were New Yorkers who said, you know, I hated her, I was, you know, we believe she was this and that and evil and whatnot. And then I had nowhere to turn. So I just said what I called and said, you know, my, my child's sick and needs this, 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 the insurance won't cover it. And all I know is 12 hours later, there was a phone call from Hillary that it was all set and not to worry. Uh, so many, they do, the Clintons do so much charitable work, um, on the DL. Um, you know, a lot of things that they lend their help to their influence to their money to you're told, this is such a great cause. Um, let's get it. I want to get this done for you. But if you use my name, they're going to come destroy you kind of a thing. You know, there's that where, uh, I did a, I did a show, one of the best things i ever did in my life we lost a fortune but it was gorgeous we did a show called addie and uno which was the first ever uh family musical about disability and it was uh it had a really hard time finding an audience because you know it was great it was uplifting and beautiful and it just showed you that disabled kids are just as awesome as any kid you know um but hillary really helped us with that uh it's my pinned tweet when she tweeted about it where uh so now if you sit, you know. People say, you don't know her. She said in her own words, we've been friends for a long time. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, she really helped with that. And a a big part of it is just don't put her face on it because then the worst people in the world are gonna come tear you down. And it's truly because no one could believe a woman could be this great. Uh, No one could believe it. And the truth is nothing that anyone's ever said about her has been proven. And they've been trying for years. And if anything that has ever been said about Hillary Clinton is true at this moment in history, she would be in prison. She's the most exonerated human being on the planet Earth. Um, Yeah. And that was a terrible answer because she's just there's just so much about her. But uh, she's just done so much for the city. She was so I did the OA campaign and she was the most incredible, gracious human to be around. Uh, You can have a limp in 2008, see her in 2010, and she'll say, how is that foot? Did you do, you know, always the mother, always taking care of people. She remembers everything. She remembers everyone's name. She's the most extraordinary human being I've ever laid eyes on. I have a Hillary tattoo. Wow. You
1: know, know, the interview she did with Howard Stern was so amazing. And and I actually knew people that actually said, oh, if we would have heard this interview, we would have voted for her. I mean, I actually, like, people actually said this on social media. People that I know, they said, wow, we didn't know she was like that. Why do you think there was such a misconception about her as a person?
6: Well, I think for that...
1: She, you know, because it was so human. It was so humane. I love that interview. It was
6: wonderful. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I hate to make it this simple, but it really is. And I, I know for a fact that five of you will know what I'm talking about. She's a woman. And mm-hmm. she was the first that yeah. dared. You have to remember this. When Hillary Clinton was a secretary of state, not asking anyone to vote for her, she was the most admired politician, Republican or Democrat in the country, okay? She was be the second she wants to do something. No, she has the audacity to do something no woman has done before. That's when the hate comes in. You, look, they loved her on the campaign trail when Bill Clinton was running in 92. It was, people were screaming Hillary for president. Then the slogan was two for one. But when she dared to want to be involved in policy, when she became the first First Lady in history to have an office in the West Wing, when she was put on healthcare, which she did before anyone was doing it and before it was trendy, that's when they went after her. Um, it, you know, it was a how dare you try to be as good as us. You know, We're white straight men, it's about us. You don't get to do that unless we appoint you there. And I, think, I truly think it's that simple.
5: Mm-hmm. you, can, it, have it, a, you actually, can have a little power but you can't have all the power
2: right and you can have the power we say you we
5: can have. we deign to give you sanction. Yeah. we sanction your
2: you, the power yeah mm-hmm. you know I, it's actually really interesting that you, you said that because in 2008 I, I was running a nightclub in in New York City and it during the uh during her campaign when she was still running for president and the, the New York primaries were coming up um she did a speaking event at the club that I was running How was it? and it it was it was a club called um, Spotlight um, Spotlight Live on uh, it was on Forty Third Street in okay. Times Square. Uh, but it was just really strange because when it, 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 there were so many people that came there, but they there were so many more people that came there to actually meet Bill Clinton, um, which I which I thought was weird because he wasn't the one running, mm-hmm. but because um, we had had to set up like an area for for them to receive people. And, and they did it separately from each other, which which I thought was a little unique, but there were so many more people that seemed to be interested in meeting Bill Clinton than it was meeting her. And she at the time obviously was was still the Senator from New York. Right, and right. so I, I always, you know, I always thought that that seemed so strange, but I guess it probably has a lot to do with the same thing you're saying. Yeah, you know, and it was, was a late time or something like that. In six, it was a very
6: different story in 2016. I think you saw, after the end of that campaign, because her comeback in 2008, and then, you know, I don't, just to make sure everyone watching knows, Hillary Clinton also won the popular vote in 2008. More people voted for her. Um, She lost by, I think, somewhere between 50 and 90 delegates, but she won the popular vote. She was the choice of the people for president twice. Um, But I think, you know, after that, it was where she became this, on her own, this cult figure, and then being such a successful Secretary of State, despite what the freaks say on the convention this week, um, once she rolled into 2015 and there was you know, those cool pictures with her texting and, um, and she became more of a, a pop culture icon, you saw she was the main attraction. Um, you know, She got nine minutes at the mm-hmm. speak last week, Bill Clinton got five. So I think you've watched that move but she really had to fight for it and I noticed it just like that a lot in 08 where people, people would always ask me, is Bill gonna be there, is Bill there, is Bill there? Is Bill there? Uh, one person, to be fair, I should say, said, I just never met a president. So you have to remember, he was the 42nd president, um, um, which is a cool thing. And, you know, people don't get to meet presidents. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a it's a very interesting thing. Um, I remember I was at a thing once when uh, during the primaries, and the Republican candidates were there, too. And I remember this jerk in a suit that fit him so badly. He should not have been that cocky for looking, you know, with his... Pants on und- whatever. But ugh, these people—it uh, makes me crazy. But I remember him just going, oh, "Yeah, next time Cindy's gonna run." And I just remember like throwing the placard down and be like, "Really? You know, Cindy's cool. All right, I love that. She's like pro gay and 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 pro choice, and she's married to John McCain. But was she ever a senator? Did she spend eight years in the White House? It's not the same. She's mm-hmm. not just someone's wife. You know, she she is the senator. She is the senator from New York who at the time. One re, just one re-election with the highest uh, return in history. So it was just such a wild, 08 was wild to me. Um, more so than 16, because 16, it was so Trump-oriented and you know you expect the circus when there's a ringleader there. But um, 08 was mind-blowing mind to me and I was a lot younger.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so with the upcoming election, Tom, I call it the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, there's a lot at stake. You know, every time I see Latinos for Trump, for example, being a Latina myself, I go insane. Like, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. What do we have to do to get people to go out and it's vote? It's and-
6: for KFC. Yeah. No, it's- <laughs> it is. Sorry. It is. It like-
1: you know what the funny thing is? Is we've invited some of them to come on the show and they won't even return our messages. You know, if you feel so strongly about this, come on and talk to us about this. We're not gonna attack you. We just wanna, you know, listen to you and the what you have to say. Makes they sense. will not come on the show. So I guess my question is, you know, I, we're trying so hard to get people to go out there and vote and, you know, make your vote count. You know, we there's so many things at stake right now. What do you recommend or how do you talk to people or what can we do?
6: Well, get involved somehow, anyhow. Um, A big thing right now is drop any negativity. I don't, look, I have a reason to be bitter. I killed myself for a decade for a goal that literally was in our fingertips and ripped away. It is what, what are you going to do? We need, we need to fix this world. We need to fix this country. Bernie Sanders is not going to be president. Elizabeth Warren's not going to be president. Hillary Clinton's not going to be president. Right now, none of them are going to be president in November. Drop it. you love Joe Biden. Love him till he's inaugurated. Then you actually will once again have the possibly the exquisite luxury of questioning your president on policy, on things that aren't life or death. But right now it's life or death. So number one, at all costs, support this. And Kamala Harris is awesome, awesome. Like this ticket's awesome. And he's a great man. I've met Joe Biden. Um, He was one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. He invited me to the Oval Office because he heard about all the volunteering I had done. And I said, Mr. Vice President, I would love that. But when I go to the Oval, it'll be to visit President Hillary Rodham Clinton. I literally (laughs) said that to the Vice President of the United States. Um, But (laughs) he's such a decent human and we'll be so blessed to have him. Get behind him. Anyone watching, text 30330 right now, boom. Any, they will text you and get you involved. You can text. Everyone loves to text. Everyone plays, you know, Candy Crush or whatever on their phone because people love to just do this with their fingers. You know, you can text voters all day long, just like that. You can just do what what the kids do and look so cool. <clears throat> but you're actually changing the world. Um, make phone calls. You know, obviously this is an unconventional, conventional election, but there's so many ways to get involved, and it is so important. Do not nitpick over policy at the moment. There is no policy. There are babies in cages. There are, we're about to hit 200,000 deaths that were preventable. There, there, this is not a, this is not about the crossing the T's and dotting the I's. I kind of think it's like when you're in your forties and you have a heart attack and they bring you into the emergency room. Yes, eventually you're gonna have to talk about diet and exercise, but first they have to stabilize and resuscitate you. We need to be resuscitated and stabilized. Then in January, once we're stable, we may have a talk about diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. But right now is not the time to nitpick. We have to get functioning humans, decent humans, humans with some sense of right and wrong in the White House. End of discussion. Then we, ha- then we can rip them to shreds like Americans do. You know, but we must just get behind them unabashedly.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and with before I go to you, Pete, you saying that about Joe Biden. I mean, you know, regardless of, you know, policy, what he's done in the past, things that he said in the past, it's humanity. That's what I miss. I miss it. And you can tell he's a he's a human being who shows, you know, empathy and, and humanity. And th- that's what we need in this country right now. You know, I mean, every single day, it's one thing after another after another. So yeah. I mean, that's what I keep telling, you know, people that are still like, oh, on the fence that I know, or people that are like, oh, I'm just not going to vote. You know, I'm just not going to. I don't like either candidate. I mean, my, my brain just like explodes when I hear that. But, you know, I mean, I love hearing people like yourself, you know, pretty much saying the same thing. um Pete, go ahead.
6: I'll never understand not voting. No,
1: ever. I won't either. I
6: vote all. I, it doesn't matter. Lo- and I get a spring in my step. I vote in every local election. Yes, I love yes. it. I love it. I just like, like don't understand yeah. if you're an amendment to the constitution
5: and I am too. Right. How you could not walk up and just place your ballot because people died for you to have that right. Unless you were a Christian white straight male. People died. Even And even them. People died for you straight white Christian male. Their whole revolutionary War is based on the fact that you got to freaking vote. Yeah. So Stop it! <laughs>
1: Stop it! I <laughs> want to read one comment from my, one of our online viewers really quick, Pete. Before I go to you, um, Riza says, "I brought my friend's nine-year-old daughter to her announcement speech oh. and uh, for Freedom's Park and pointed out Bill. And this young girl asked, oh, is he Hillary Clinton's husband? What a role yeah. model she is for young women.' So thanks for that comment, Riza.
6: Oh, I, I love, love that. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I love Bill. Don't get me—I love him. Yeah. Um, but she's the one, <laughs> Pete. You know, my favorite um, joke is uh, you know uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton stop at a gas station, and Hillary goes, "Oh my goodness, the attendant's my high school boyfriend." And Bill said, "Well, look at that, honey. If you had mar- if you married him, you'd be married to a gas station attendant." And then she looks and says, "No, if I married him, I'd be married to the president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> <Get it? laughs> Anyone she married would have been president because she's Hillary." <laughs>
2: You know, I, I, I actually I, I had two things I wanted to bring up, but I think last night actually showed, if anything, how how much um, how how how, hypocrit- how much uh, hypocritical um, conversation is as it was created around Hillary Clinton's campaign versus Trump because last night. The, the woman married to Donald Trump uh, Melania Trump got on on stage and actually said September. that people yeah that they people should expect honesty from their president and not one person has, has attacked her in the last 24 hours for that whereas the whole time Hillary Clinton ran all people d- did was attack her for accepting Bill Clinton's improprieties or alleged improprieties and, and you know I, I just I couldn't believe that there was not the same standard held for both women if you know because it was all republicans that were that were claiming it um but that that being said what i really wanted to ask is that is that four years ago i think everybody just assumed well donald trump's a clown and he's going to lose you know and 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 clearly according to a lot of the data you know, even maybe some of the people in, in Hillary's campaign kind of saw it that way. And that's why they didn't put her out in certain places like like Wisconsin and Michigan at the last few few weeks in order to maybe shore up her support there. Now we've had four years of Donald Trump and, and everybody can see it. I mean, you know, as New Yorkers, you know, I'm sure you could say the same thing that, that like we all knew Donald Trump was a clown way before he ever decided to be a public figure the way he is now. I mean, he was a clown. 25 years ago, 30 years ago, but what I'm what I'm wondering more now is that like every time I talk to anybody about this election, you know, especially people that that want to see him lose, you almost see something like a like a battered wife syndrome that we just assume that because of what happened four years ago it's going to happen again like the the polls say that that biden's going to win you know you see different kinds of support you, you know you 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 don't have some of the baggage that hillary clinton came in with other than being a woman that she had that she almost had a run on bill clinton's record and then on her record of being a senator so what i, I this is the longest question to you know way to get to the question but What do you think is the difference between now and four years ago that's gonna make a difference for all those people that are so, like they're still underneath the table somewhere saying, oh my God, it's gonna be the same problem.
6: Um, Well, I think knowing what happened is helpful. I think it will happen again. I do agree. Um, If you look at the swing states, if the the real clear politics average on all the swing states, Biden's way below where Hillary was. Um, He's gonna win. Uh, Joe Biden will win the election. Will he be allowed to serve is another question, okay? Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by 3 million, but she lost the electoral college by 70,000 votes spread out over three states. Now, let's, let's go to the basics of interference. Let's go to the basis, basics of cheating. Over, I think it's over 300,000 uh, registered Democrats were wrongfully purged. Uh, most people of color, most minorities, um, and turned away on election day. You're gonna tell me, in Michigan, 100,000 Democrats, out of 100,000 Democrats, 10,000 wouldn't have voted for Hillary Clinton because that's all she needed in Michigan. Same in Wisconsin. Um, Right there alone, the purging, the illegal purging, that's a rigged election. We should have had an audit. And then you factor everything else. Um, She shouldn't have conceded. We should have fought it, and that was Hillary came out this week. Her biggest advice to Joe Biden: Do not concede. There, it was there were we knew stuff was going on. It, it was such a ridiculous election, and we need to get to the bottom of it. If you know, even before the last three and a half years of Trump, if that election happened in another country, we probably would have invaded them to give them democracy. It you know it, what. Think about what we did with Al Gore for so much less. It's ridiculous that we accepted those election results. And you know, she was doing so incredibly well. And I do think one of the biggest mistakes was the White House ignoring the intelligence that Russia was actively interfering. You know, the the idea was, this is bad. We don't wanna scare the American people. We don't wanna make this huge. She's so ahead, she's gonna win anyway. She, you know, let's just, let's just handle this in an adult diplomatic way. And you also have to remember, Barack Obama was president four years ago. Were, the, the Oval Office had dignity, the office had dignity. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama were desperately trying to keep the dignity of office because they believed even the Trump campaign, the way they were running for president was disgracing the office. So, you know, I think there was a huge part on the Democrat side to be the adults in the room and show that this was serious and that this isn't a game this isn't television this isn't a joke this is people's lives and you know and maintain the dignity of it this is the greatest honor in the world to be the president of the United States and i think i think they didn't know what was going to happen with comey which was ridiculous i hate him if he's if does comey watch <laughs> I hate you so much.
2: He, just on Tuesdays. He doesn't watch it other oh. day. He's, he's uh. got things the other
6: way. So we'll give him a message for me. Tell him thanks for ruining everything, literally. <laughs>
5: yeah, I, I, an I, HBO Max movie coming out, so.
2: Yeah, I, I'd actually like to kind of uh, kind of bring up something based on what you were just saying. I saw that text that, that Hillary Clinton put out about, uh, about Don't Concede, tweet, and, and immediately, that. I'm not, well, no, that te- was, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. The, uh, not the text, the, uh, the, the, tweet. Um, and I immediately, the second I read it, my first thought was, well, Trump will just use this to say, look, she thinks he's going to, that Biden's going to lose. I, I mean, is there, I mean, is there even like, like any reason to believe that, that, uh, how do I even put this? Um, uh, that like, there's anything that anybody could say that's going to, that's going to make, make, you know, I forget, I I, I don't have a point. I just, I'm just so frustrated because I saw that and I was originally just saying she shouldn't have put out this text.
6: Well, I think it's, do you know what I think it is? Is it's time to just call it out. And that's what I believe was missing four years ago at this point. We should have just been calling it out. And no, they are going to do it because he's openly asked. We know it. We have the intelligence. They are trying to sway the election. We know that. They did it. We know it. I think it's just... It's, it's almost like a, a neighborhood watch where you don't want to get the neighborhood scared about crime and violence, but they need to know because they need to be vigilant. And if you're telling the neighborhood about all these crimes that are happening, yes, you're tipping off the criminals that were onto you, but you're also making people wise and you're, they're watching for you. So now, you, you, you saw it in 2018. People are at the polls looking for irregularities. People are watching other people be turned away illegally. and No, 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 no. That's not, that's not, you know, and that's why I think it's such a good thing to get our side ready for it, to not just think because it's the right thing, because of course, Vice President Joe Biden is 10 trillion times more qualified than Donald Trump and who in their right mind wouldn't choose him over Donald Trump. Just because those are the truths doesn't mean that's what's gonna happen. And it didn't happen, we've been there. Uh, And I think I think that's what it is. It's we did it. I was on the road. She hit every place. The fact was, we had a 50 we had a 50 state strategy. Uh, She she almost won Arizona. She almost won North Carolina. She was competitive in so many states. And she was also trying to help down ticket. And um, and they were also you have to remember the DNC was in Barack left it in horrible debt. And Hillary bailed it out. Hillary uh, allocated money and left enough reserve from the 2016 campaign that she paid off the DNC's debt. So there was this whole thing about rebuilding the party going forward and not leaving the DNC on their own and letting everything be about the president. Um, so there was just so much there and we were running such a traditional, even though it was the most progressive platform in history, it was a traditional where, you know, we're taking the whole country back. And we probably should have been a little more, you know. And she's so good at that. But I think that's where it all comes from right now. Is I've lived through this. I've been told to be the adult in the room. Look, what am I saying this from the Oval? No, I'm not. So learn from my experience, you know. She wants him to win with everything she is. It's I think she wants Joe Biden to win in November more than she wanted herself to win, you know, four years ago because she knows we don't have another four years. We hardly survived this, and many didn't.
1: Yeah, and it's just, you know, just to be prepared. I mean, because, you know, they're doing things right in front of everybody's eyes that they're getting away with. So, I mean, it is good to, you know, kind of, you know, have our guard up and say, okay, you know what, we're ready for this. So, yeah, I mean, I have to agree with what you were saying, Tom. That's a good point. Um, Joe?
4: Um, Something that, um, uh, and this last few weeks really concerns me, but over here, but the start of, I mean, Hillary Clinton, Clinton, by the other side has been made this super villain yeah. like she's like a James Bond super villain and uh, you know uh, th- it's stuff that w- that if you if you told somebody just on the street who didn't know anything you would say that, well that sounds insane I mean like the QAnon stuff the Pizzagate that stuff like that and gate. now <laughs> yeah <laughs> no you know th- th- that's in the whole thing but now I'm seeing now like that's becoming that side's party line people yeah. that I know that were at one point normal Republicans are buying into it, are buying into a lot of the crazy. And, the, I, and the, so the two questions is, um, I mean, I know you're talking, but like, how, how, does, how does Hillary stay above all of that? But B, more often, how do you fight that when people are listening to with basically insanity with no facts or anything involved behind it? It's amazing.
6: Well, I think, um, I think Hillary leads by example. Um, and I think it's one of the things I admire most about her. I can tell you as someone who has proclaimed her as my idol, I have to be a better human being because of it. And it keep, she keeps me in check. I refuse to get out of bed out of the, after the election. And then all of a sudden I turn on my TV and Hillary was keeping her speaking dates, no makeup, you know, you can see the week she had on her face. And I said, Hey, she's saying we got to We got to keep moving, you know? Um, and, and, she's above it because she knows it's the right thing. And that's what she, her entire life has been about doing the right thing and helping people who actually need help. And like me, like, you know, I got out of bed because she did, because if Hillary could get out of bed and get dressed that day, then who am I to cry over this? You know? Um, and, and that's what she does is she doesn't, I, re, you know, I have a really dear friend who I worked in the campaign with who's on the Biden campaign Adrian, who is any campaign that has them is lucky. He made a sticker because we had the love Trump's hate was our big thing. And he made a sticker that says revenge Trump's everything. And we were seeing Hillary at uh, her book launch and he gave it to her and she, oh, she laughed. And then he got a letter in the mail saying like, Adrian, thank you so much for making me the sticker. It's so nice that, you know, I really needed that chuckle, but I do want to remind you that 3 million more people chose love over hate in the last election. And I don't want you to ever think that love doesn't trump hate. Um, and so do, don't, please don't focus on revenge. You know, Thanks for the joke, but remember, there are still more good people out there and that's what we need to focus on. And she lives by it. And, and that's why, unlike anywhere, po- politics, show business, a car wash, it doesn't matter, you'll never find a group of people more loyal to someone in a team. Hillary doesn't lose employees. They stay forever. We I mean it's re, that circle is the, it's the same people. And and once you're in, you're there forever. Once you're around her, once you see her off of television, you're a lifer and you will take a bullet for her. There's no one like this woman. And I just think that I don't understand why we haven't been screaming that for 20 years. Wait, don't you understand that if you're in a room with her, you end up in love with her. Like, isn't that the testimony? Her employees worship her. I mean, she paid off everyone's health care for the rest of the year after she lost the election. Those are the things going through her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, her career started because she went undercover and was knocking on people's doors to make sure that minorities were not being robbed of the education that they were entitled to. Her entire life is just to make sure that every child is allowed to live up to his or her own God-given potential. That's literally the only reason she walks. Um, so that's why I think I think she just she knows that, and and it wasn't about the presidency. It was about how can I do the most good. You know, that's my phone. If you can see it on the Zoom, do all the good you can in all the ways you can. You know, that's her motto. And she believes she could do the most good from the White House. Well, she's also practical. She is not in the White House, being you know being angry. And saying, "Well, she has a right to it, but I think throwing her hands in the air would make a lot of other people throw their hands in the air." And she cares too much to do that. So she, you know, she finds the strength. So we can be inspired. She leads by example, and it's one of the things I've always loved.
1: And can we also mention that they raised a wonderful daughter too? I think. Oh Chelsea is so I
6: smart. love her.
1: <laughs> um, compassionate. Um, I just, I, she's such a smart young lady, and they they did a great job with her. Um, any final so questions? Sweet. For Tom, before we let him go, Pete, did you have a
2: final one? No, it's it, it's probably a dumb <laughs> dumb question, but okay. uh, you know, um, one of the things that I, I really thought that that really was was kind of a mistake in a way was when when not Hillary when when Michelle Obama said when they go low we go high, which aspirationally is exactly the right thing to do, but now that we've known how low they can go is there a reason to still try to be the better man anymore? Well, or, or I, is, you know, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's more of the question. Yes.
6: But, you know, we don't have to try to be better. Cause we just, by breathing, we're better, we're better people than them. And I'll say it. We are because you know what? Black Lives Matter, I have no problem saying that. I don't have to throw all in. I don't have to throw blue in. I can mourn the loss of someone shot for no reason and not make it about myself. That, I know that's why I'm a better person. I know when I see a baby in a cage ripped from his mother's arms, I start sobbing instinctively. I'm a, I, I'm a better person. I know we're better people. And, you know, um, Michelle Obama shouldn't go low because she can't even wear a gorgeous dress without them calling her a whore. And you know, and then they call. Uh, and I have, I love, I support sex workers, but I don't see how you can call someone wearing you no know, sleeves a whore and someone in pornography a saint. Mm-hmm. I don't judge, but I don't understand that.
5: Right. Um,
6: but I think with someone with Michelle and Hillary, you have to go high because you can do exactly what anyone else is doing, and you're the villain. Even if you're, it, it, we've learned it. We, Especially it happens, if you're a woman, face. it's on film, and of course, when it, it, you know, it doesn't happen when you look like me when they hear me talk and and I start talking about musicals and Hillary Clinton, they start discriminating, but you know, I can walk into a room and everyone thinks, you know, Oh, big white guy, let's pay attention to him. Um, so I can go low. Cause when I go low, I, there isn't, there isn't the double standard, you know, Bill Clinton says, don't get in the, don't get in the mud with pigs because kids pigs enjoy it and they have hooves. Um, you know, but I, I can get in the mud and not get a, you couldn't, you know, any of these women here, if if I said something horrific to them in front of a room full of people and then they said the same thing back or dug deeper or got me better, no one would say a word about what I said to them. They would talk about, have you ever heard a lady speak like that? Oh, she's so emotional. Isn't he a go-getter? But what an emotional bitch.
5: Mm, it's you really went too far. far.
6: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and that's why um, Michelle says, I don't know, we go, when they go low, we go high. Cause at this point when they go low, I'm getting a shovel digging myself down and punching them from underneath at this point. Yeah. But I understand why Michelle Obama goes high because that's where she belongs. She belongs up there and Hillary belongs up there. They are too good to get down there. You know? Yeah. Um, Leave and, the
5: donkey punch into other people.
6: That's why i I'll donkey punch anyone.
5: Leave <laughs> <laughs> the donkey
1: <laughs> punch into somebody else. Out <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I thought you were saying
6: something. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, it's just, I mean, it's, it's all about double standards. We just watched a, a boy walk with an automatic rifle, kill people and get a bottle of water and a thank you from the police. And then, and he got to go home and sleep in his bed. And then he got peacefully apprehended. And we saw a man a couple days ago try to break up a fight, have nothing to do with anything, taking care of his kids and just literally getting shot because of the way he came out. In front on of his three tennis. kids, yeah. one of his babies, his babies, his little, his children. Disgusting. I mean, and, and, and people still want to have, and people think there's a conversation or a debate to be had. There's no debate. It's disgusting. It's inhuman. And I put it on Facebook today. I swear if I see Blue Life Matters in response to this right now, I'm not just blocking you. I'm finding out where you live and I'm coming and I'm going to make you cry and not in the fun way. It's not, you know, I'm not. It's, I'm done. It's, it's not a debate. I don't care that just because everyone has social media, they think they have a say in this. It's not, you know? No, the, the, it should have ended when Trayvon Martin got shot for being a black kid carrying Skittles. It It should have been over. It should have been over. There should have been there isn't a debate to be had and I've met his mother and it's, in, it's sick that people talk about this. There's nothing to talk about. You yeah, don't really,
3: Really quickly on your point of double standards, I get the same thing when people try and talk to me about immigration and I'm like, you realize I'm, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I'm, I've immigrated here. They're like, yeah, but it's different. Why? Because I'm white and I'm English, so I'm not an immigrant. It's the exact same thing. It's yeah. still... Mm, it's
6: mm, yeah. ain't from a shithole country. You know? Yeah. Right. 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 Well, I, you know, but it's to be fair, you know, I know people are really coming down hard in America right now, but we're definitely the nicest third world country. Right? <laughs> the best, we're the best of all the third world countries out there right now. You know, so it's, it's,
4: well, except for it's... except for the healthcare.
6: Oh right, 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 right. right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm low key hoping ca- Canada does invade and, and be like, "You guys need help." We're, well, if they we're take, help, if they just take the good states, it'll be the richest place ever.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
6: it'll be West. You know Alberta. what I find
1: mind blowing though? You know, it's like the you know the RNC this week. All they've been doing is fear mongering and you know scaring people like, "Oh, this is what's going to happen." You know, in Biden's America, this is all happening in Trump's America. I
6: mean, right, no, That's, Hillary I tweeted know, I know, that, that? Uh, when they, uh, one of them, you know, said, if Hillary Clinton had won, this, 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 and Hillary wrote, yeah, imagine, you know, a country where we put babies in cages, 200,000, you know, die for no reason, and then she just wrote, oh, wait.
1: Yes. I mean, they're
6: just describing what they did to us.
1: It's the, it, the protesting and everything else, the civil unrest and all of, all of that, every cause has an effect. But they seem to just oh just forget what's causing all of this. And again, they're they're you know they're painting this world like oh you know four more years of Trump and this isn't going to be ha- this is happening under Trump. Like it, it makes me crazy
2: well, when it's, I. It's, 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 as well, it's this double standard that, that that exists. Like yesterday, Bette Midler tweeted the thing about uh, about Melania Trump being an illegal alien, and she got attacked, and then today right, she right. had to apologize for it. But everybody forgets a week ago, Donald Trump accused. Of Kamala Harris, who's right. from Oakland, of uh, being an illegal <laughs> alien. I mean, it's it's just insane, and, and and he hasn't apologized. I don't know why. I don't know why. When it comes to liberals, liberals always apologize for everything. It it, it makes me crazy. There
4: crazy. was a uh, there was a speaker at the RNT that was complaining about about the left's nepotism, who was followed by
6: two no. Trumps. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Eric, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if Chelsea Clinton? Was coked out of her face and <laughs> had the job that Junior had. I mean, it's oh. ridiculous. And I mean and and that, you know, look what they did to Kathy Griffin. I hope I Do you know? I'm sorry to interrupt. Whenever I think of Don
5: Jr., he reminds me of Mel Brooks' interpretation of the mayor and blazing saddles. <laughs> 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 work, work, work. <laughs> he, he Hello, was- boys,
6: I miss
1: you. <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> Tell
6: me he was a me.
1: <laughs>
6: oh. yeah. I want, I love this yeah, show. I want to ha- have me back. Oh, oh my god we, we <laughs> want to <laughs> have you back, back Tom <laughs> love <laughs> to have you back
1: Yes for sure
6: you're yeah. my people. Yeah,
1: but thank you so much for coming on and you know you've been so wonderful and I know you and I have been emailing back and forth but seriously Tom, anytime you want to come on you're well, always I
6: you oh know. I mean I'm, I'm like one of those hardcore quarantiners like I don't do anything.
1: That's Peter and
6: yeah. I. That's know. how we
2: got this started.
3: I
5: <laughs> was like that pre- ago. Yeah. I didn't need
6: COVID to get me here. <laughs> you <all Yeah>. <laughs> <way>. <laughs> can, I, um, can I say the text number one more time?
1: Yes, yes sure. absolutely.
6: We
4: should put we, it in the I chat.
6: Anyone who is watching, whether you liked me or not, please text 30330. Um, and you will sign up for the Joe Biden campaign. You have to elect him. Um, I would vote for him no matter what. However, I will tell you, one of the nicest human beings I have ever met in my life, and the only thing I don't like about Joe Biden is that he's a white straight man. Like, (laughs) if you were a black woman, I would be all over him. So, (laughs) he'll be a brilliant president. You know, know,
4: Tom, Tom, we're not all bad. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> not, <include>, not including <laughs> Peter in that, but we're not oh, all that. That's terrible. All Joes <laughs> matter.
6: <laughs> You've had your turn. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need, I don't need it. I don't need to ever be anywhere again. If I see black women lead till the day I die, I lived a really good second half of my life. You know? Yeah, it's like getting um, an
5: everlasting gobstopper, Tom. It'll be like getting an everlasting gobstopper. You'll <laughs> be you. like, "Thank God." i <laughs> Can we just try? We haven't tried it. Let's just try it. If it doesn't work, I'll say, "Oh." I man. was I was totally raised by black women. I am down, Tom. Yeah. I know how good it is. I, I'll let you guys know. You, if that works out for y'all, you in for a treat. You in for a real treat.
6: <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's when you you grow, when you're a kid and you're a gay boy and, like, black girls literally are your lifeline, you, like, you then you see racism. It's, what? what? Do you not know about the, the black girl magic? This is ridiculous. Um, we and, feel the yeah. same way about gay men. Black
5: girls who had gay friends and, and were called fruit flies or fag hags, however they I love you, whatever you called mean. you. Exactly. But that's how I feel the same way about I don't understand why some black people aren't LGBT. TQ involved,
6: but that's a whole nother show for a whole nother day, time That's a good show. I just think, you know what? I've, I've learned that, like, if if there's a lot of hate towards something, go towards there because that's where the cool people are. Yeah. You know? like, that's where you're going to yep. have a good party. There you that's go. All the good yep. people are.
5: Yeah.
6: Um, but, yeah. So, vote Joe Biden. Oh my God.
2: Yes. So,
1: I think this year, are we going to get champagne and um, balloons, Pete?
2: Are go we going to try it again? No balloons. We'll go with the champagne, but no balloons.
1: Okay, our shirts are already the, in the, the mail, balloons. So. The balloons confetti are caused cause.
2: This.
6: The mm-hmm. confetti was going to be um, at Hillary's night. It was clear. It was going to be like shattered glass coming down. Oh, cellophane.
1: Oh, don't tell me that.
5: <laughs> yeah.
6: yeah. Damn it. Yeah. We. Have, if you want to do a. Coffee- <laughs> One with cocktails, I can bring you through what it was like to be on the Javits stage at election night, but... <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh,
2: Jesus, that would be animal. a great
1: thing. I think we're going to have to do a private Zoom with Tom one of these nights. <laughs> 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 All those bottles no. of champagne we didn't drink that night. <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> seriously. Oh, oh, well, boy. again, Tom, thanks again for coming yeah, on. You. I'm sure we're going to see you back here soon, so... Yeah, um,
6: absolutely. Um, have a good
1: night, and we'll-, we'll talk soon.
6: Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Thank, thank you okay, so Tom. much, Tom. Bye.
1: Bye. 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 So that's our show for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Tomorrow, we will have an auto industry expert, Jack Neron, joining us. He'll be, he'll be talking about what's happening in the auto industry during this pandemic. And he'll also talk about his time working in show business with some pretty great people. So he's going to be a lot of fun to have on. So we'll have a fun conversation with him. Until tomorrow night, we'll see you back here at 6 p.m. Have a good night, everyone. Bye.
2: Now right. come
1: back.